glad you're here this week because I have an interesting episode ahead for you. It's actually two interesting episodes. I asked a colleague and a friend of mine, Bobby Klink, to come on and talk about the way that he shifted his entire business because he kind of realized he had gotten so far off course from what he had been doing. And I feel like as 2022 ended and 2023 started, a lot of entrepreneurs in my world were feeling like they needed to kind of reevaluate, get back to what they centered, what made them feel centered, et cetera. Bobby's a cool example of this, but our conversation <laughs> went for an hour. And that almost never happens on my podcast. And I also know that your time is really important. So what I did was I wanted to break up our conversation and to do it in a way that made sense. So I'm going to introduce what we're talking about here in part one. Now, I'm publishing both of these episodes at the same time. So you can go listen to part two if you want right away, or you can wait till next week or whenever suits you to go listen to part two. So just hold on and let me tell you a little bit about Bobby because he's he's very dynamic. He talks a mile a minute and he has so much value that he brings to the conversation. So here's the thing. Bobby is a lawyer, like a Harvard-trained lawyer who had a really fancy background, and then he turned into an entrepreneur, and then he turned into a marketer, and then he turned into a coach, and then he's finally kind of shifted back to being an online legal guy for entrepreneurs, working with entrepreneurs to help them protect their businesses. But along the way, we talk about a lot of interesting things like how he kept reacting and responding to everything he was seeing in the market, which just meant he kept kind of changing his business and morphing his business and making it bigger to encompass more and serve more people. And how that affected him was, you know, it got so big and the evolution was so enormous that eventually, you know, although he was interested in everything and he was always playing on his strengths, he eventually got to the point that things weren't sustainable. So in part one, you're going to hear Bobby talk about a lot of where he was and how he kept morphing himself and his business. And it's really interesting. I think one of the things you're going to take away from it is how he kept leaning into his interests and his strengths, which is something I always talk about that we should be doing, especially with our content. And what he's also doing was always going against the grain, which is important for us as content creators because we have to you know, know our strengths, but also kind of sometimes call in things or call out things and go against the grain. And you might have found that you've been told to do X and Y and Z and A and B and C and one and two and three that you feel a little spinny, which is I think where Bobby got to, and that he felt so far from his center. Eventually, he wanted to pivot his business back to the online legal stuff. So part one today, you're going to learn all about him. I think you're going to learn a ton of lessons. And I'll when I introduce part two, I'll share with you where we're headed next. But go ahead and enjoy all that is Bobby and just let it wash over you and see what you can take away from this conversation with the online legal guy, Bobby Clink. Enjoy. Hey, I'm really glad you're here today for the Content Creation Made Easy podcast. I am talking to Bobby Clink, who this is my first time actually talking with Bobby voice on voice, but I feel like I have known him forever. Bobby is, I'm going to tell you that he's a Harvard law grad lawyer, but he's not a typical lawyer. I love calling him like he's the online legal guy. Like if you need anything legal, he is your guy. The reason I'm asking Bobby to come on today is not necessarily to talk about legal stuff, though I think we will. It's because he made a huge pivot in his business back to some of his roots. And that kind of thing takes a lot of 
contemplation and courage and confidence. And um, it's a big ship to steer. And in our growth as content creators, we might be looking at our own platforms or our own businesses and saying, what's working for me? What's not working for me? And I just think Bobby's insights are going to be really helpful. I want to tell you a little bit about Bobby. He has an extensive legal background. He's got 20 plus years in the legal background. He's focusing now on making the legal stuff simple for you, kind of with like dummy proof legal templates that you can buy. I own his legal templates. They are fantastic and I use them a lot. But he basically helps online business owners protect what is theirs so that they can grow their businesses and have legal peace of mind. So thanks, Bobby, for being on here today. I really appreciate it. Thanks. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Like you said, I mean, I I mean, we have interacted so many times online that it's kind of weird when you first talk to someone (laughs) you've interacted with so much. But yeah, it's it's. It is great to finally be talking with you in person. I guess not in person. In in person, what do we call it? You're in Dallas, right? No, I'm in Washington, D.C. Oh, I thought you moved. Of, I'm in the suburbs of D.C. Did you move from Dallas to D.C.? Why do I think Dallas at all? So I am originally from Texas. I'm originally from deep south Texas, okay. uh, McAllen, which is near the Mexican border. It's about five miles all the way at the southern tip. Okay. I went back. I lived in Fort Worth for a period when I was a federal prosecutor, but that's been 14 years ago or so, or 13 years ago at this point. So now I consider myself a a DC native, although now I'm in the suburbs, but mm-hmm. um, I've lived here off and on since 2003. Okay. We're both on the East Coast. I'm up in Syracuse, New York. So can you tell us a little bit about how you went from this journey to prosecutor, federal prosecutor, lawyer with the suit to online business owner, that first shift? I'm curious about that first shift. Yeah. So my legal career really started... It's the kind of career, at least early on, Mm -hmm. that most lawyers would dream of. I worked for a court of appeals judge who, he's now passed away, but he was widely considered one of the best liberal judges never to make it to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And and Bill Clinton considered him both times that he had an appointment. So that's where I started my career straight out of law school. Then I, I worked at two law firms here in the Washington area. One of them was a big mega firm. And then I went to a more niche, smaller firm where the guy who recruited me to that firm and was my mentor there was a lawyer I called Neil. Mm -hmm. Now we would have to call him Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. (laughs) I mean, this was the guy who recruited me. So I mean, I've worked for a a liberal judge and then a future very conservative Supreme Court justice. And so I had that experience and I did that. Then I was a prosecutor. But I'm the son of an entrepreneur. Okay. And also what you need to know about me is, is when I do any kind of personality test Mm -hmm. that has rebellion as one of the things, (laughs) I score very high on rebellion or very low on compliance. Like on Mm -hmm. the disc Mm -hmm. thing, my C is basically non-existent. I am not a compliant person, never have. (laughs) So as I was coming out of the gig as a prosecutor, I had the option to go back to the firm I'd been at. Mm -hmm. But I decided to do something different. I joined a small entrepreneurial firm and I made one of the classic mistakes that online business makers, or not online, but business owners make. I joined this firm without a written agreement that really codified how would I ever become a partner or owner in the firm. Okay. And it was problematic because I had all the downside risk. It was a contingency fee type of law firm. So I would go six, eight months without getting paid. Oh my God. I mean, I'd get paid and they treated me fairly, but the problem was I had no guaranteed upside. Yeah. So my wife got pregnant. And at that point I said, hey guys, we need to, to formalize this. And we couldn't because 
The problem is three or four years into a relationship, it's hard. And all of a sudden then it's kind of a zero sum game. Every, mm. every percentage point you give me is a percentage point you don't get. And so it, right. it didn't end well. And I went out and hung my own shingle, started a, a law firm called Clink LLC. I made all of the horrible mistakes <laughs> that you, you business owners, this isn't just a lawyer thing, but I tried to be everything to everybody. My messaging was all over the place. I would do, you know, anything people wanted. And so people didn't even know what I did. Like my friends who were lawyers had no idea how to refer people mm -hmm. to me or, or what to send people to. But also I only had one client and that got resolved pretty quickly. So I was sitting around, <laughs> twiddling my thumbs and being a lawyer does not teach you how to market at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, you are actually very bad at marketing. And so I, dug in and I first read books about marketing for lawyers. Those are dumb. Dry. Just dumb with a capital D. So after I, I threw those out, I started just searching and I found this company HubSpot. Now, oh, yeah. if people here don't know HubSpot, HubSpot is, it's a software that's too expensive for almost all of us solopreneurs <laughs> or small business owners. Right. But it is kind of thought of as the software that is the, the king of inbound marketing. The idea of creating content, people are attracted with the content, then they go deeper and deeper and deeper. And I loved it. And HubSpot had a free academy. I think they still do. Mm -hmm. So back in, I don't know, 2014 or 15, I became HubSpot certified as an inbound marketer. Okay. Because of course that's useful as a lawyer. Why right, not? right. So I was using online marketing to, to build my law firm. Mm -hmm. I had a, an Amazon best-selling book mm -hmm. called Patent Litigation Primer, which don't ever buy it. It's, <laughs> it. You know, No one should read that. Right. But I was doing that. But then I guess, I don't know if it was midlife or what, I was, I was coming up on, I guess I was coming up on 40. Mm -hmm. And I was just kind of feeling, uh, mm -hmm. about life. And so I started working with a life coach. And a li this life coach, first we talked about relationships, personal, and then I don't know, six or seven months in, she asked, she said, we kind of shifted to the business and she said, do you like what you do for a living? Mm -hmm. For the first time, I admitted to someone other than my wife that mm -hmm. I did. And it wasn't that I don't love law. I love the law. It's mm -hmm. fun. It's intellectual and it's all that. But I had built a career where I fought with people all the time mm -hmm. and just sitting around and fighting all the time was problematic separately. Back in those days, when I got an email, it was very, I mean, it was very rarely going to be good news. Yeah, it was yeah. almost always going to be opposing counsel doing something, a judge doing something that either meant I lost a case or meant that my life was thrown upside down. Yeah, to the next there's a problem months. you need to fix. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it was like, it was, I was constantly sitting there waiting for the next shoot. <laughs> yes. Separately, like I, I had seen a lot of things happen where People came to me because they'd gone without legal protection mm -hmm. at the beginning and then bad stuff happened. Mm -hmm. And the problem is they would, they would come to me and I'd be like, I mean, you could hire me, but it's going to cost you more to pay me than it's worth. Okay. And so I, that pattern came up over and over again, which I hate. Mm -hmm. So after I admitted to the, to the life coach that I didn't like it, the next question is, and I, I blame life coaches for this because they won't let you just wallow. <laughs> no, they don't let you get off the hook. Yeah. She said, okay, what are we going to do about it? Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. In that conversation, she said something like, well, I could see you like, you know, going on to, to radio shows and podcasts and, and giving people quick tips and advising them about the legal stuff. I said, well, that's interesting. I met with that life coach every two weeks. Mm -hmm. By our next meeting, I had already hired, there's a company called Interview, I think it's Interview Connections. 
but I had hired them to start booking me on podcasts. Uh, I had no business at that point. I, I mean, other than my law firm, I had no idea what the plan was, but mm-hmm. I got into action. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it started. And that was 2017. Okay. And it, throughout 2017, I appeared on a bunch of podcasts, a bunch of big name podcasts mm-hmm. that aren't as big in our space, but things like Entrepreneur on Fire or EO Fire. Mm-hmm. I was on that show and a bunch of other ones talking about these things and leading to my launch of an online course in November of 2017, which I tell this story pretty frequently. I have the best, I don't want to say the best, but I have a failed launch story to, mm-hmm. to rival almost anybody's failed launch story. And it's one of those things where I didn't know what I didn't know, yeah. but that's where it all started and it's been uphill since then. <laughs> I found you, I think it was Amy Porterfield's podcast a very long time ago. I bought your legal templates. I'm like one of the, I think you refer to them as the OG people who bought your legal templates. I still follow you. I'm in your group. And I've watched you pivot. I've watched you taking action, I feel like is your specialty. You are decisive and you take action. And the other thing I do, I think you do an incredible job at is communicating with people. You always let people know what's going on. And I think that's also part of what made you a great, makes you a great content creator. I know you've written a book called Email Marketing That Doesn't Suck, which I also own. And so I would love to dive into once you launched the legal templates and that was, was that successful? And then that, then you moved into business coaching. Is that how that happened? So, yeah, I mean, the, the first failed launch was, and, and I call people my original buyers, my OGs, because my original brand name was your online your genius, online which was genius. kind of this funny thing yeah. because people thought that I was saying I am your <laughs> online genius, which is not at you all. Know. My launch, like I named my business, created my LLC after I'd come up with a name for my course, which was going to be Safeguard Your Online Genius. Mm. So again, it was very much about you and, and that. And But that was the launch that I did in November 2017. I had, um, I dumped, I think, 25 to 30,000 into the launch specifically, but I had spent tens of thousands of dollars on stuff before that. Yeah. I made one sale. Oh, I, I think I was selling it for 600 and something dollars at the time. And that person asked for a refund on day 29 of a 30-day, <laughs> no questions asked, <laughs> refund policy, never having looked at any. Uh, now, looking back, I don't mind because I wouldn't have really wanted that person in. Sure. But, so I stumbled around until 2018. Early 2018, I started shifting things. And my first success really as an online business owner was May 1st of, of 2018, which is when I launched. At the time, I called it my online genius membership. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I called it a membership. It was never a membership. It was always a, you buy it once and you get it, but mm-hmm. it was basically a combination of training and legal templates. Mm-hmm. And that's where things started. But ultimately then later in 2018, I decided that, let's be honest, people don't really want to buy legal training. The templates are what they wanted. They that's wanted right. to solve the problem, get it done, et cetera. So I broke it out. The training part became free, mm-hmm. and then I was just selling legal templates. Mm-hmm. And that's been my model on the legal template basis since late 2018. Mm-hmm. I got single templates all the way up to the all-access pass, which is what you have. Mm-hmm. And so I, I did that. And speaking of kind of how I shifted into business coaching, one of the great things was because in those early phases, I was never like I didn't even envision becoming a business coach sure. or a marketing coach or anything like that. You went to Harvard for law. So, Jesus, who would have thought you would become a business coach? Right. I mean, so I was, again, I was focused on this legal stuff, but the, the reason that worked out was that I could be 100% transparent mm-hmm. and talk about all of the things I screwed up in business, mm-hmm. but also like I could talk about like 
successful launches that weren't six figures and these huge numbers like most business coaches are talking about. And what happened is people started to say, Bobby, we connect with you because you talk about a successful launch as making $35,000, $40,000, not million dollar launches. And you tell us the stuff you screwed up. And so over time, I was doing that and people kept asking me about things. So I, I ventured into kind of the marketing business coaching stuff in, I guess it would have been 20, 2019 mm-hmm. is when I, I first launched something called the Fans First Society. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was based on this idea of, of, I have a very different view of online marketing than most of the online marketers. I think online marketing isn't online marketing. It's marketing that we do online. Mm-hmm. And we should still use the, the basic principles of marketing and these things I'd kind of learned from my dad, which is you put people first, yes. you treat them right, you serve the heck out of people, and then they will buy from you naturally. And so the Fans First Society was really about the concept of doing that and generating your thousand true fans. That's right. People know that very famous, I think it was a TED Talk, but also a, a, an article about how as an online creator, all you need are a thousand true fans. Mm-hmm. And you don't even really need that number, but it was this idea that you don't need millions or, or hundreds of thousands of people. You just need that group of core people. Mm-hmm. And so I created that. Then I, I would do training as part of that. And I would ask people what kind of training they want. And over time, people kept saying, email, email, email. And so I, I, I launched an email course and then I had my email marketing book, et cetera. But also over time, I just, because I'm a rebel, mm-hmm. because I don't mind causing trouble, I would talk about marketing and business in a way that was very different from the typical online marketing mm-hmm. world. I would be talking about how do you build, I mean, I would say a real business, but but in a lot of ways, what happens is people would see this as a very different way. And my audience, in a lot of ways, like I had a lot of people in my audience who were, were part of my true fans mm-hmm. who had corporate experience, mm-hmm. who had a business degree, who had worked in traditional marketing and said, what you're teaching is actually marketing. It's actually business. It's not the let's get rich quick, right. launch a product type of thing. So that's <laughs> kind of how it came about. And that's how I, I just kind of organically transitioned into this thing. And, and I like to say that I blame my coach because I was working <laughs> with a business coach in early 2019. Mm-hmm. The Fans First Society only came about because what happened was I, I did my first true launch of my all access packs mm-hmm. back when I was a closed cart, open cart, closed cart, open cart. In early 2019, I presented the results of that, which were good. And I was talking about stuff, but my coach said, and part of this mastermind, okay, well, what are you going to offer the people who didn't buy? And I said, well, there's, or, or, you know, what are you going to do this? And I said, I don't know. There's not much I can do. There's no up from that because I don't want to practice law. Mm -hmm. And he said, I didn't say it has to be legal. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so I blame him for doing that Mm -hmm. because in many ways it, it was, business malpractice mm. for me to venture off of the legal stuff. Mm. And, and I don't blame him. I mean, I was the one who did it. <laughs> but looking back, it was it was a dumb decision to so do that. Are you saying you wish you had never done the fans first membership and then the um venturing into email marketing that you regret that? So I don't have regrets. Okay. I, I'm someone who doesn't have regrets because I'm happy. Because what's life. the point I think of them? a lot of people who enjoy where they are say, hey, if I'd done anything differently, I wouldn't be where I am. I'm right. But there's no question that I think I can say without question or without hesitation, 
I would be making more money. Mm -hmm. My business would be further along if I had not. Oh, gotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really an interesting. It was like a little side jaunt. Well, it was a side jaunt, but separate from that. Let's talk about what most people want to create in the online world. Yeah. They want to create something that is truly scalable, that Mm -hmm. it's not in any way trading dollars for For hours. Mm -hmm. My legal templates were that, right? I mean, (laughs) there's no question. They are 100% scalable. Yes. Now, people who get the all access pass get get access to a, a Facebook group and all that stuff where we do a little bit of support. But I'll just be honest with you. I mean, that part of my business on the actual fulfillment and delivery I mean, it takes me and my team, I don't know, maybe a couple hours a month Mm -hmm. that we have to spend on that. Mm -hmm. So it's always been that. But not only that, it is a protected market. If you think about it, you either got to be a lawyer or you got to say, you know what, I'm going to go to law school and spend all of this money and all this time to really have any credibility doing this. Separately, my legal credentials are very good. So I have a differentiator (laughs) even among the lawyers who do these things. And so I had all of these advantages. Why in the world would I go from that to the reddest of red oceans Mm, in the online marketing mm. space of talking about building a business? And then on top of that, doing it in a way that I'm essentially delivering a message that people don't want to hear. You know, which is, (laughs) I'm going to disagree with you on that because I think that the thing that makes you so special is that you were delivering that message that people didn't want to hear and that I see a lot online is me first, I'm the messenger. This is my personality. La la la. Put me on the stage. I agree with you. I think it's audience first and you do it with fans first. What I think is you were three years ahead of yourself. Yeah. Uh, well, I was three years ahead of myself. I was also way ahead of the market. That's what I mean. That's what <sighs> I mean. I mean, the market ha- is just starting to catch up to this message of what you're saying. But I, I watch what the people talk about in your group and I listen to how people respond to you. They absolutely sop it up with a biscuit that you are telling the truth and that you have a different way of going about it. So I have to ask, was it fun at all? Was it like, did it edify you? You know, like, oh, look at this thing I created. I wrote this book and I did this thing and I'm also known for this. What did it satisfy you in any of those ways, those creative ways? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Let's be clear. I enjoyed it. And I I enjoyed the work. And here's what I'll tell you. The people in my world, once they found me and the people who resonated with me, Mm -hmm. you're right. They were kind of all in with what I said. The problem I found, Mm -hmm. quite honestly, was when I'm I'm competing with people who are telling you, I'm going to teach you how (laughs) to make, you know, how to have a five-figure launch in a month. And I would say to people, good luck with that. I mean, if you got a great product and you got a lot of experience, you got an audience, great, we can do that. Huge audience. You need a huge audience. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was the problem. What I'm saying is for, for people who are first hearing my message mm-hmm. versus the promise mm-hmm. that other business coaches were making, the other business coaches were making the promise that people wanted. Now, I would say it was illusory. It was never going to work. So my people tended to be the people who had become disillusioned yeah. because they bought into that stuff and had and been seen burned it by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there was that. So that was part of it. And there was definitely fun and seeing people have success and all that was great. The problem was that in a lot of ways, I positioned myself where I had to like be the person rocking the boat. Mm-hmm. Which is tiring. Yeah, it's tiring. It's like separately from being tiring, it's, you know, like I don't mind being, you know, 
I say being polarizing. I'm polarizing by nature. I don't do it on purpose. I don't go out and say, I'm going to be polarizing. <laughs> How can I be a dick today? <laughs> right. Well, it's, it's hilarious because like there's this concept of doing a thought reversal video. I'm like, and I always thought it was funny because like I would see people teaching this. I'm like, well, that's what I just do all the time. <laughs> it's just my normal <laughs> like, state. Know. Right. But again, I'm someone who did, I was in high school debate. So mm -hmm. I've been doing this stuff mm -hmm. my entire life. And I was just like, well, that's just the way I think. So it, I don't have to think that, but I get putting a framework for people. But there's a level of that, but I mean, at some point, like even some of my early mentors and supporters, they then like those relationships got fractured, not because I called them out. I would never called any person out specifically. I was very clear about yes, it. Yes. But they didn't like that I was delivering a message that what they were teaching was BS. It was antithetical to them. Yeah. 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 And so, so that started happening, but separately, and here's where I said kind of in some sense, it was, a, I don't want to say a mistake. But if I hadn't done that, if I had just continued to be the legal guy mm -hmm. and maybe talked about the stuff a little bit about how to build a business, but was not rocking the boat, I could have some of, I mean, I don't want to say the biggest names online, but a lot of the big names in this online knowledge space as my affiliates sure. actively promoting my stuff. Sure, right. sure. But if you think about it, they're not going to do that I when I'm telling totally people get that. the business stuff that they're teaching you is BS. Mm -hmm. Or that and it doesn't so work for everybody. You know, it's... And I think that's the thing, especially when you're new, it's so shiny and it's so like, there's such a potential that's painted by the, you know, the big, the people who have a big audience. And I'm, so I don't think either one of us saying it's not possible. It's not likely. It's not likely. So I, I compare it to what I say is like the, what most people are being like fed and taught in this industry and believing is the equivalent of someone saying, I'm going to teach you how to be the next music superstar. Mm -hmm. In that context, I think we all know that the chances you're going to be the next, I don't know, pick, you know, whoever you want to pick as like, you know, that person, Beyonce, whatever, is very low. Mm -hmm. But let's be clear, you can make a very good living as a musician yes. doing, being a studio musician, doing all kinds of different things. And so I was almost saying, look, let's just be realistic here. Most people are going to be the studio musicians, mm -hmm. not the superstars. And there's nothing wrong with that. Most people I know in the online space, they don't, I mean, they don't need to have, they don't really want a seven or eight or nine figure business. They want to make a living. They want to be able to replace what they could make yeah, in their working for someone mm -hmm. else with the freedom and control. I love that we've gotten onto this topic because I had this epiphany like two weeks ago on the massage table. It just kind of hit me. You don't even want to be famous, Jen. You don't want to be famous. And I don't want a huge business where I have to run a lot of people or manage a lot of people. And it was so freeing for me to have this epiphany. And I started sharing it with my audience. And I thought, maybe this is my like really narrow lane is there's plenty of people out there who want to have a successful business and don't want to be a superstar with the spotlight on them. And I feel like if people are listening and this is resonating, that this might be the permission you need to give yourself. You are saying you can have a very lovely life and you don't have to be standing on a stage with the spotlight on you. Yeah, exactly. Well, and again, like the funny thing to me, I, it's funny that we're talking about this because I didn't know we were talking about this whole spotlight thing, but I was thinking I don't, earlier this week and I don't know what made me think about it. I guess I was on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Just like, I haven't posted on Instagram in a long time, but I was just like scrolling through something. And I saw this example of like people like, posting their pictures they took posed with a business coach. And I'm like, mm -hmm. 
are they a celebrity or are they someone who's giving you good information? And, and again, like, I don't want to say that those have to be different things, yeah. but there is this, this very kind of celebrity culture yes. about stuff. And, and I would much rather that, you know, the things people take from me is the lessons, the information, not a picture with me. I mean, again, people want to take a picture with me and wear a ribbon. Sure. I'll take a picture with anybody. And then like, but that shouldn't be your takeaway. The takeaway should be, oh, Bobby said this. And you know what? That's going to help. Yeah. I do think you always have incredibly thought provoking ways of thinking. I am so on the disc, I'm a high C. And so my brain really is attracted to the ways that people like you think because I don't think that way naturally. It's like that gets me thinking and then I'll like can churn from some stuff from there. What I'm hearing is that when you moved into the fans first society and all of the content that you created, and you hired an integrator and she was like your right-hand person. And, you know, it was, I mean, I was watching it because I know what it's like to do that. It's a churn and it's a churn and it's a churn and it's a lot of management and direction. How long did it take before you kind of tapped into like, mm, I don't think I want to do this particular thing anymore? It was, I mean, it was a long time because I, I launched the Fans First Society in May of 2019. Mm -hmm. At that time, I'm trying to remember. I, I did some kind of coaching program. I guess, oh, so in 2020, I did a, a very, in, not informal, but a small group coaching program with six people mm -hmm. or something like that. But I hired my team. My integrator came on. First, she was an OBM for me, a contract online business manager for a couple of months. But then I brought her in-house the beginning of 2020. Mm -hmm. So we were doing that. And at the time, I built a monstrosity where we did a, a training every month in the fans first society, but it wasn't just that we did a training. We had this idea. It's like, okay, we'll do this training and we'll give people, we'll basically do a, a 14 day free trial of the fans first society. So a week before the training, we would start marketing say, Hey, if you join now, you get a 14 day, you can get in, try the thing. Or maybe it was a dollar. I don't remember, but whatever you do that. And then you would, you know, could get out. Mm -hmm. So every month we were on this, you know, doing Roller, not even about, it's thing. like a treadmill. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we were doing that. The idea really came to, to create an email marketing course mm -hmm. in sometime like March, April of that time, because everybody's asking me about email. So I said, Hey, I'll just teach a course about it. Cause Hey, courses are great. Mm -hmm. Courses are scalable. Courses this is are 2020 all... now, right? We're just into the middle of starting of COVID. Okay. So we're stopping right here. It's 2020 as we're stopping and we're just going to dive into what happens after 2020 and how Bobby uses everything that happened in 2020 during COVID to grow his business. And what you're going to learn in part two is what wasn't working, what was sustainable, what he did to get back to a business model that worked for him, how he learned to clean up his message, and what kind of weight it felt like to lift off of him when he did that. And we, you know what we spend a lot of time in part two talking about, which I think you're going to love also, is how to use strong, strategic, purposeful content and messaging to get you back to where you want to go and to propel your business once you're there. So I will see you in part two. I would love to know what you think of this episode. So go ahead and leave me a review or even send me a message to Jen underscore Liddy at me.com. I would love to hear your thoughts. Talk to you in the next episode. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.